wanted to start this podcast to share hunting stories of my experiences and what I've done over the years. There's so much more that is involved in hunting than just pulling the trigger and killing an animal. We want to be inspirational, educational, but we also want to have a good time and teach you how to have a good time as well. Tonight's uh, guest is uh, Tim Wells, the slock master. You know, the bears are easier to kill, though, actually, than an old boar that's got a big shield. They're really hard to kill with a blowgun, even when you're close. And there's a lot of boars running around out there with darts sticking in their shield. It's not going to kill them, but you see a hog run by and he's got a dart sticking out of his shield. You know, it's one that I shot a few years ago. Everybody wants to go hunting, but not necessarily all of us want to go hunting because we want to kill something. We want to go hunting because we want to experience the hunt. I want to hear a bull elk bugle. Test my skills at calling and getting him to answer and come my way or read the sign or just sit in the mountains with my son or my daughter and hunt. Welcome to Hunting Day with Stephen Robbins. Now for your host, Stephen Robbins. Hey guys and gals, welcome back to another episode of Hunting Day. Last week we had Tim Wells, the Slockmaster, on. We had such a good time, we decided to bring him back for another episode. If somebody wanted to buy a spear or blowgun, where would they go? Uh, well, before long, you'll be able to go get them at Cabela's and Bass Pro, uh, Shields, and some other places. I launched my Slockmaster product line very soon, and then uh, the big bat box stores are calling. They want them now. So they'll be here probably. I don't know if we'll have them in time for Christmas, but it'll be pretty short. But until then, you can buy them from me direct at slockmaster.com. And, uh, I'm pretty proud of our, our product line right now, and we guarantee everything for your money back. And uh, make we build the baddest ass blowgun in the world, the Viper. Uh, it's a, it's deadly, and I make the best blow darts in the world. They're razor sharp, and they're made for killing animals. And nothing that I sell hasn't been tested. You know, I've take my razor darts to Africa and I shot baboons and Impala and, and uh, blessed buck and hoodoo and um, tons of monkeys and birds and rabbits and uh, used them here in the U.S. on pigs and and uh, armadillos and rabbits and goats and and uh, bobcats and uh, they work great. Absolutely. And so now they're packaged and good to go. And I, you know, I stand, my product line is a little more money than what people are used to paying, uh, with perhaps cold steel products. But, um, I stand beside behind my, my product line that it is the, the highest quality and the best functioning, uh, primitive weapons that are available in the market. And if someone makes one better than me someday, then, I'll go back to the drawing board and, and, and try to make it better again. Most definitely. I I've, I can attest to everything you just said because I've used a lot of your products over relatively the last year and a half. And the uh, your new Viper blowgun, I've killed two rams. And it's, it's a lot of fun, one, just to do it. But two, it is deadly. And it's a very lethal weapon. And... I'm looking forward. I'm I'm actually going after my Ram Slam, my Bighorn Ram Slam, with oh, the Viper. That'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the the blow dart is an amazing uh, is an amazing weapon. I mean, but there's a huge difference, and I learned over the years that 
they're you know when when someone says their their broadhead or their knife or their blade is sharp, there is a huge difference between a sharp blade and a, a blade that's not quite that sharp, because the the blow dart has demonstrated to that me to me. I had shot blow darts into small animals and larger animals and killed some big things with not so sharp broadheads uh, or. Uh, blow darts that yep. had broadheads on them that were sharp and it was always a test you know i mean you had to you had to center punch the heart or you had to hit them through both lungs uh but you know my broadheads i knew it was always a problem i could never get them sharp enough so i went to, to building my own broadheads i made them a little wider and three times as sharp and I lightened the shaft so the shaft is not so heavy so a guy can reach out and touch a goat or, you know, shoot a squirrel out of a tree at 15, 18, 20 yards and uh, have found huge success. And then I went a step further now here recently, and I came out with the Speed Demon. And I got to thinking logically about it. All the darts are, you know, five to seven inches long, and that carries a lot of weight and a lot of wind drag with crosswind. And so a squirrel or a rabbit, the kill zone is only an inch and a half inside its body. And its body alone is only about, you know, two and a half inches wide. So why are we trying to run these seven inch darts through these creatures like that and then have a, your dart drop six, eight inches at 10 yards? Instead, I made my, my, uh, three inch, um, uh, speed demons now they just came out yesterday uh but i tested them for you know a long time and now you know the hunter can buy my speed demon and they can shoot squirrels at 20 yards and you can shoot birds at 20 yards and at 20 yards this thing isn't going to drop more than you know if you're shooting at 130 feet per second it's not going to drop more than you know six inches yeah so we just we just made leaps and bounds in our technology the second thing I did to the darts is I created the uh, uh, the cone more like a race car. Uh, race cars, you know, the fastest race cars, if you know, notice, uh, from the front bumper to the windshield is long and it's narrow. And so envision you take a, uh, a, a, a paper plate and you slap it on the water. Then you turn that paper plate into a cone and then slap it on the water and how quickly it goes in the water. It's the same principle with the blow dart cup. The longer you make the cup, the better it's going to cut through the air. Yeah. And so I lengthened cups and I found that I picked up about uh, 18 feet per second, which is a lot. And that delivers a lot more kinetic energy. But uh, the key to success on killing animals with a blow dart is, is definitely uh, a sharp blade and an accurate shot. You can't be shooting deer in the stomach or in the butt or in the neck. You know, you never take a frontal shot like you may take with your spear or with your your bow or your gun. You can't do that with a blow dart. You know, on a on a a hooved animal. I mean, with a a baboon or a monkey or a rabbit. These creatures, yeah, you can shoot them from any angle and kill them. But you know, if you're hunting deer or hogs, you have to give that animal time to give you that clear clear shot at his heart and uh i always aim for the top of the heart that way if i'm a little high i double lung them if i'm a little low i still hit the heart yeah and 
patience is the key. You work so hard to get that shot. When he finally gets in there to, you know, 5, 10, 15 yards, and he, you've got him to come that close to you with the blowgun, you know, why take – you've waited this long, and maybe you've waited for years for that shot. You know, w- wait another few seconds and ultimately take the shot that you know will kill him. That makes a lot of sense. So, yeah, works on bears, deer, anything. You know, you, there's not an animal alive. I don't think I could kill if I could just get within it, get his front leg forward. And you killed a bear in Canada, right, with a blowgun? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, the bears are easier to kill though, actually, than a, a mature boar. You know, an old boar that's got a big shield. They're really hard to kill with a blowgun, even when you're close. You have to take a big breath and you have to drive it through that shield because that's a that's tough to get it through there but uh, you know i've killed my share of uh, wild boars but every one of them i had to really hammer him to get it in there and there's a lot of boars running around out there with darts sticking in their shield it's not going to kill them but uh, <laughs> you see a hog run by and he's got a dart sticking out of his shield you know it's one that i shot a few years ago <laughs> Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Oh, I got a phone call today. It was exciting news for me. Arizona is considering uh, uh, opening spear hunting there. So that is huge. And uh, for your listeners out there that may, you know, question our ethics because we hunt with primitive weapons, uh, you know, I've never speared an animal that was hit uh, in a – a location between their butt and their their neck, you know that that recovered. Uh, the spear is lethal, and if you hit something, maybe it's not in the lungs or it's in the stomach. That seven foot long spear, when that animal's running, it tears them apart, and they just can't take it. And you always recover your animals. Now, no one can claim that with a gun or a bow. No, they can't. And, uh, no, but you know the hard part is hitting an animal with your spear. And yeah. You may glance off his back or you may shave his neck or what have you, but that's not going to maim him. I've never wounded animals with my spears. And because uh, if that point goes in the body and it goes into a hip or into a neck or into the center of his body, they never recover. And they're always easy to recover because of the big blades that go through them. So what I was going to talk about was Arizona – is considering opening spear hunting and they called me for you know a little insight into it because there's just not any experts out there other than a few of us and there's very few of us uh and uh, you know i told them everything i knew about spear hunting and and uh so knock on wood the liberals don't shoot them down and they get it done that'll be great but considering it, the fact that you know your average hunter in arizona has to wait eight years to draw an elk tag so that's a sad situation but if the state of arizona or new mexico or these other places where they have big game hunting you know and everybody wants to go hunting but not necessarily all of us want to go hunting because we want to kill something we want to go hunting because we want to experience the hunt yeah i want to go elk hunting because i want to hear a bull elk bugle i want to feel the rush of him coming my way or test my skills at calling and getting him to answer and come my way or read the sign or just sit in the mountains with my son or my daughter and, and hunt, you know? And, uh, if 
if we offer spear permits, this, the, the fishing game receives the money that we buy for the tags. We get to take our spear and go hunting. But our success rate, rate, admittedly, if we only had seven or ten days to hunt, would be very low, especially if you're mule deer hunting or you're elk hunting or even whitetail hunting. I mean, it's going to be very difficult. So every, it's a win-win for everybody. The hunter gets the opportunity and gets to go into the wild and hunt more often. He may not have to wait eight years ago because you can issue way more tags for somebody that's going to be throwing spears versus the guy that's going out there with a high-powered rifle because you'll wipe out all the game if you gave too many uh, uh, tags away. But you can give lots of tags to spear hunters. We all get to experience it. The fish and game make more money to put back into the resource and in the end, everybody benefits by primitive hunting if we keep it alive in the United States. And I think like Nebraska and uh, maybe Arizona and some, and some of the other states that are considering it, uh, like Alaska, you can hunt all the big game animals with a spear. I think we'll find that the benefits far outweigh, you know, uh, in, any, any, other, any other reason not to give uh, someone a, a permit to hunt with their spear. And so... Um, you know, we'll see where this all plays out. But if Arizona goes, maybe more states will follow suit. And before you know it, we'll finally get our chance to hunt whitetails in all the all the states where there's whitetails. That would be awesome. And like you said, if Arizona takes that step, hopefully some of these other states will follow suit. Nebraska made the bold move, uh, and they made it legal to, to hunt with a spear. And they've had, you know, a lot of people spear hunt. They've and a few animals have been speared and it's been a big success and there's no negative nothing negative has come from it and so uh hopefully uh, you know maybe some of your listeners will take it upon themselves to call their state rep or call their uh, wildlife uh, directors and and email them or you know drop a message to them that you know encourage them to consider you know adolatles and spears as a potential way to hunt and, uh, you know, on, on that same lines of hunting, there's no reason why that you and I can't be hunting small game animals with our blowguns. I mean, we should be out there squirrel hunting and rabbit hunting and um, shooting quail or any other small game animal with our blowguns because it's very lethal. And as you know, they're deadly. Yes. Uh, so these kind of uh, uh, weapons should be allowed and the more hunting we open the more money it brings in and the more we value we put on the wildlife that we hunt and as we know that creates cons- conservation and uh it's a cycle of life we just build more life by having more interest in in the game that we hunt that's for sure i know any time i spend out in the outdoors is uh, always a good time and you know like you said earlier just hearing an elk bugle is it's it's worth it you don't necessarily have to kill him in order for that to be a successful hunt and it's uh i love it i love the outdoors and whether i got a blowgun or a a pellet rifle or even a uh, high-powered rifle hunting's hunting and it's a joy yeah that's right man if you told me i could only hunt with a, a rock the rest of my life you wouldn't stop me but if you permit me to do it i'll keep hunting with a rock and I'll figure out a way to be successful once in a while, but uh, I think it's more of a, once you get a little older and you've killed a few animals and at that point and you become a seasoned, experienced hunter, 
and the true nature of hunting, you know, is deep in your soul. Then at that point, the kill is just a byproduct of what you do, and it's not what you long for. You know, it's just getting out there and enjoying it. And uh, uh, spear hunting does that. I mean, it tests the ultimate. It's the it's the ultimate test. And if you can spear an animal, you can probably harvest one any way in the world that you'd want because he's got to be so dang close to you that you can probably smell his breath if you took a deep breath. Yeah. And uh, that's that's how hard it is. It's hard, but, man, when you do it, it's a rush. I Even when I get a, a young fawn or, a, you know, a, a half-grown pig underneath me, man, I can, even in my old age, I can still feel my heart rate rise and I feel the thrill of, the raising that spear there's nothing like it that compares to it yep i agree with that and i'm in a new season of hunting for myself because my kids are starting to hunt with me and ava's eight years old and you know not that hunting has ever been boring for me but you know adding the primitive side has been very enjoyable and it brings a new rush to it but now i'm also hunting with my kids and i know you've done the same your kids are are grown up now but um and they're all successful hunters as well but uh was that different for you when you went from hunting by yourself to hunting with your kids absolutely i remember the first time my son killed his first buck you know with a, a 20 gauge slug i mean i hadn't picked up a gun or had any desire to kill a deer with a gun for 20 years probably or 15 years at the time anyhow and uh my heart was about to pound out of my chest because you know i had done everything for him to get the shot but finally when it was his time to pull that trigger at that point it was out of my control and out of my hands you know it was all up to clint Yep. and uh that uh that was an exciting moment and same with sydney you know i remember first turkey she shot with her bow it was an osceola and uh and uh man when she came to full draw it was out of my hands there you know my eight-year-old daughter was aiming at a big old tom and i'll never forget that day she let that arrow fly it's just uh you know and the first time i watched clint spear a a red stag that was that was a unique day for me i mean those are moments that uh you get to relive the, the hunt in the way that you did the first time you picked up a, your bow and arrow or you cocked that gun for the first time on a you know a living deer you know yep. that rush you relive that with your children you know or with your niece or your your nephew or maybe just a little boy or a little girl that you've you know taken into the wilderness and exposed them to the you know the the pureness of hunting and and giving them the opportunity to feel the sensation of the moment uh it, it's uh it spreads all over you and it's uh it's fun you can live it again through the eyes of a child yep absolutely absolutely yep well i definitely appreciate you coming on here tonight i, I know i took up more of your time than originally planned but uh well hey man you call anytime and uh we're good friends we always have been for those of uh your listeners that don't know steve took me and uh actually took clint when he was uh what was clint he was about eight years old i think eight or nine uh on our stingray hunting and uh we've uh we've had a lot of fun out there since and uh yep. we're gonna have to get together now 
Texas. I know that you love Texas like I do, and maybe we'll go on a spear hunt or head to Hawaii or maybe uh, heck, uh, bring you over with me to New Zealand and we'll spear some red stag or sitka or something like that while we're over there. But i got a lot of life to live. We need to get together and do it again together. Absolutely. I'm game. You just tell me when. And uh, I actually got a buddy um, who has a, a fair amount of property in Ozona, Texas. And uh, he's got some high fence and some low fence. And I've been buying a bunch of animals and sticking out there. So you want to you wanna go after any Nubian Ibex, you just let me know. Because I got about 14 <laughs> of them right now. <laughs> Those are beautiful. I've been trying to draw uh, uh, the ibex hunting in uh, New Mexico, and I cannot draw that dang tag. You know, I want to bow hunt them there, obviously, but yep. uh, uh, getting a tag is just tough, man. I think the success rate's like 7% or something like that to draw. And then then if you do draw with a bow and arrow, I think the success rate of killing one is even less. It's like 3%. So, yeah. Uh, Florida Mountain range it, it holds a fair amount of those ibex, and hopefully I draw one, you know, one of these days because I want to do that bad. I went to Spain and killed an ibex, and that was really cool. But it'd be nice to spear a wild ibex and and or I mean the bow kill ibex in the United States. But yeah, if you got some uh, high fence animals, I love to hunt high fence with a spear. Uh, you know, it's fun. And sometimes them animals are more wild than the ones on the outside defense because they're so smart because they've been hunted, you know. But yep. it's still, it's all fun to me. I mean, people, some people say, hey, man, I'll never hunt a high fence animal. Well, you know, you can say that, but uh, you stick to that, then someday you'll n- possibly never get to hunt, you know. Yeah. Um, high fence is nothing, uh, it, there's no reason to hate high fences. And, and the hunting because you know the high fences have saved a lot of animals uh, a lot of african animals have been saved because of high fences yep and the people that hunt inside those those high fences that on the outside we all have the same thing in common is that we love animals and we love the future want the future of hunting to be secure and whether you're hunting them in a high fence or not you know you eat the animals you enjoy the hunt the rush is still there and uh you know, someday if I'm stuck hunting in a two-acre pen, so be it. I may use a rock or a club, but that's, you know, <laughs> I'll never say I'm not going to hunt a high fence. And you throw, when I I, t- I trained my kids on shooting fish with their, their bow and arrow by filling the the horse tank full of bluegills and letting them pound away at them until they got good at holding under and shooting bluegills. And now they're deadly when they go bow fishing. So Yes, they are. Yeah, I, uh, uh, uh any way you can hunt, man, we should uh, never knock another guy. If he likes to use a crossbow or a rifle, I'd, you know, have at it. But, yep. you know, if he wants to shoot some blow gun or throw a knife at it or drop a rock on it, let's not beat that guy up either. Right. Absolutely not. Especially if somebody's killing something with a blow gun and a rock, he's probably not a guy you want to beat up anyway. <laughs> or, <laughs> so. Well, you know, like I said on my show in my intro, it says uh, – is one of my older intros. I think he said, uh, uh, "You can take my guns, but I'll still be dangerous." That's right. <laughs> I was actually showing that intro, chasing that grizzly with your bow, and you shot him in the in between the eyes. Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah, well, I'm sure glad we got that on video, though. That was uh, 
a turning point for me in the hunting industry. And uh, my dad watched that video when I got back to camp. He said, that, then that'll be the shot heard around the world. And at the time, that didn't mean much to me. But now that I look back on it, you know, he was right. That was uh, the moment in time where that arrow cut the distance and smacked that old big brown bear right between the eyeballs and dropped him dead in his tracks. That was uh, that video went viral even before we knew what the term viral meant. Yeah, and, uh, that was a pretty special moment. Absolutely. Still got that on my intro today. I don't think I'd ever get rid of that one. <laughs> I think I'd keep it in your intro forever. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Well, hey, buddy, I, uh, sharing your podcast with me, and I hope you guys. Uh, end up with 10 million listeners someday hey i appreciate it and speaking of listeners um if my listeners wanted to get a hold of you on facebook and instagram which uh what's the best way to get a hold of you tim wells slock master on instagram and you can do the tim wells slock master on uh facebook and you'll find me either way or you can just jump right on my website slockmaster.com and all the links are right there you can just click on them go there whether it's my youtube channel or wherever it might be you can uh, sure reach out to me and uh, if you want to have a blowgun or a spear or maybe one of my my shooting gloves or hat or whatever it might be in the hunting industry that's primitive I got it so go to slockmaster.com and check it out I'll even uh, all the orders get a signed autograph with uh, with them well Tim I definitely appreciate right. you yeah hey you take care and tell everybody out there we'll see them soon all right entire listeners we thank you for listening and as always keep hunting and keep doing what god calls you to do thank you for listening to hunting day with stephen robbins don't forget to like comment subscribe if you'd like to follow you can find stephen on instagram at stephen hunt day and facebook at stephen robbins hd if you'd like to reach stephen you can email him at stephen.huntingday at gmail.com